Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing? I, th I see how the front rows clear up. Hey, everybody wants to be out of spitting distance. I try very hard not to spit, even though I'm very passionate, as many of you know. Um, I'm so uh, blessed to be with you this morning. And, you know, when Pastor Jesse asked me to speak, oftentimes the Lord gives me such a massive assignment, and I think, God, how can I take such a big topic and whittle it down into maybe 40 minutes. I know I always push the hour mark with us here. I just check your endurance to see how you do. But typically, I just, um, you know, the word, the Bible says the word is spirit and it's life. And so if you're dead and you're dry, the word comes and it's spirit and it's life. And it, it causes you to come alive from the very inside part of who you are. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. So this morning in worship, how many of you it's been a little bit unusual for you to be in worship like that where there's so many spaces and silences and people just singing spontaneously. You can be okay. You can raise your hands. We're not going to take you down. You know, it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> I, I see the Bible, the, 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 the enemy uses our ignorance against us, right? And the Bible says that, well, not the Bible says, Abby's Bible says that minds work best because they're like parachutes. They work best when they open. Yeah? Okay. So track with me here. I'm just kind of laying a little bit of a foundation. As we were worshiping, I had a picture of a, of a steak marinating. How many of you have had marinated steak before? Or any other marinated meat? How many of you know that if you tried marinating something and you didn't leave it sit long enough that it's kind of disappointing? I, I cannot tell you how many, like I come from a country where spices and uh, our foods are highly flavored. And so sometimes I look at a piece of beautiful meat and I think, wow, this is going to taste grand. And then I bite into it and it's bland and I, it's a bit disappointing. So worship is like that. You know, we come into the presence of the Lord and we begin to marinate in his presence. And if we come out of it prematurely, we can often end up with the stink instead of a fragrance. No, it's true. If you're ever in a hurry to get away from what God's doing in your life, you end up being a stinky Christian. Because God never gets to finish the process. He doesn't get to clean us up. He doesn't get to shine us off. He doesn't get to polish us up and present us as a wonderful trophy in the earth. If God has ever been on your life where he's convicting you of sin or unrighteousness or of an attitude and you run away from it, do you know what? You go into the world and you're actually stinky because you carry an edge on you that can be very sharp and you cut the lives of the people you come into contact with. I was so sad this week. I, I heard someone say to me that this, there's this person in the community that they thought was a Christian is the meanest, cruelest person and yells at their staff and treats them poorly. And, I, and it grieved my heart because I said, God, you know, that's about the worst level of testimony a Christian wants to have in the earth. And so for those of you who are familiar with Abby and for all of the new people, let me introduce myself to you again. I am called to comfort the afflicted. That means if you're hurting, I'm called to be there with you and I'll be there in the trenches with you. But I'm also called to afflict the comfortable. That means if you're comfortable, then I'm called to make you uncomfortable. Because the Bible says that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter even till the noonday sun. That means God is bringing things into our lives and setting us up so we get better and stronger and mightier and shinier in the kingdom. All righty. So... That, I had that picture about us being in worship, just marinating in the presence. And sometimes it feels uncomfortable. Sometimes you're hungry, you want to get that steak on the barbie, and then you know that it's really disappointing. So I'm going to just encourage you, when we have moments like that in worship, is to just, you can, you can tell God, I don't understand this, but it's so beautiful, and I want it. Help me to just stay positioned and disciplined in the spirit so I can get the maximum dose of the Holy Ghost, hey? All righty. Um, the other thing I was thinking about this morning in worship was 
how powerful the cross is and how magnificent is God's love for us. Like, I'm just like thinking about that. That he works everything together for our good. The good, the bad, the ugly, the sour, the bitter, the sweet. He's working everything together for our good. That in his divine wisdom and an ability to rule the earth in such splendor and balance that he's still concerned about every one of us working all of these ingredients in our lives for our good. Like, it just blows my mind. And then I was thinking about how, G how Father God loved mankind so much. You know, I'm a parent of, of three girls, and sometimes when they hurt me and they disappoint me and they disobey me, I don't often have a plan to reconcile them back to me. I I'm being honest. Sometimes I just like that space for a few weeks. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, don't call me, don't tell me your phone bill's not paid, don't tell me you haven't got food. Like, just go take care of your own disobedience and let that consequence work out for you. <laughs> yeah? I, I do that with my kids. I actually said that to one of my daughters last week. I said, you know what? God's really got me in a place where I have to decide if I'm responsible for the consequence of your disobedience. So if you put someone on your phone plan that can't pay for their phone, girl, you on your own there in Toronto. Mama's not paying that bill. So that's, that's really what's happening in my life. God is bringing an awareness to me about whose disobedience am I responsible for? Now, if I'm obedient in the kingdom and I'm watching the wonderful blessings of God come into my life and I'm a beneficiary of my obedience, then guess what? I'm not all about rescuing you from your disobedience because you have a responsibility to walk in obedience before God so that you can be a beneficiary of that obedience. All right, I don't even know why I'm going there, but this is why I'm going there. And I was thinking about how Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave because Father, who's our Father, and even when we hurt Him and disappoint Him, that He has a plan. Church, He has a plan to reconcile us back to Himself through the blood of His Son, Jesus, that we can come there with all the crap on us, going through the car wash of the blood of the, of the Lamb, and come and stand in the Father's presence clean and acceptable before him. Wow! Like that should be, that should be making all of us want to get up on our feet and yell and scream. Because I, as a natural parent, don't have a plan of reconciliation for my children when they disobey me. But Father does. And we're so blessed that he set that plan in motion through Jesus. And you know what? Jesus goes to hell and then he comes back from hell. How many of you have been through hell and back? It's not a swear word. I don't want to be a part of that church that just said I went to hell and I got the t-shirt and I sold the t-shirt. <laughs> Honestly, I want to come back from hell and I want to have the keys of life and death in my hands. And I want to decree and declare over dead things that they come to life. And I want to decree and declare over sickness and mental health issues that you, you have to go because of the name of Jesus and because of the might and the power and the wisdom that comes to us after we've been to hell and back. Yeah. Woo! I, I'm just going to have a preach all here by myself. So uh, what I want to talk to us about this morning is a big subject. And I want you to know that anytime I ever stand up here to speak to you, the thing that qualifies me is love. Because if I have love, I'm nothing. And if I didn't love you, I wouldn't stand up here with the courage to speak about hard things. I know a parent loves his child when he can speak hard things to that child and bring correction, even when you want to be that child's friend. It's an act of love to risk rejection, to speak life and truth. So I'm going to be speaking to you about being charactered and living balanced lives this morning. Uh, Rhonda says to me, 
are you sure there's a word character because it keeps coming up as a spelling error when I put it in? And I said, well, it's my word. <laughs> Charactered and balanced lives. If you're ready to receive the word of the Lord that has the power to transform you, can you just put your hands up? Everybody just, this is a Holy Ghost stick up. This is surrender time, right? Right. Father, we surrendered to your plans and we surrendered to your word. Father, we declare that you are big and we are insignificant, but for the grace of your son and the love of your son and the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus. And so we surrender ourselves to you and we say, come and work a transforming grace in our lives. Let us walk out these doors unfamiliar even to ourselves but that we be changed into the likeness of your son, Jesus. And we give you praise for this in his holy name. Amen. Woo! All right. How many of you are feeling like you're out of balance? Like you, there's nothing you, you, there's so many things on your plate and you can't find that balance. And it, life is a bit of a balancing act for you. Yeah? How many of you got things under control? Life's cool, it's grand, it's predictable from 8 till 10 o'clock at night when you can go to bed. You got this, because we want to come sit at your feet and learn. <laughs> All right, so we know life is, is a, look, at, look at what the dictionary says. It's an even distribution of weight, enabling someone or something to remain upright and steady. Yeah? A condition in which different elements are equal or in correct proportions. That means everything on the scale is just perfect. I can balance on these heels because my core, I have some core strength. <laughs> I, couldn't, I could improve that. But <laughs> and, and again, because it's platforms, it works a little bit better. If it was stilettos, I may not be so good. But, but it's talking about the even distribution of weight. Right? In our homes, in our families, we want it to feel balanced. We want the children to be pulling their weight and doing chores and mom and dad to go to work and bring in the dough so that the children can go out and buy Nike shoes. We want balance, right? <laughs> but you know what the cool thing about it? What happened? <laughs> the kingdom spelling of balance. How do you think the kingdom spells balance? This is the test. You will pass. You can go to lunch with me if you figure this out. Yes. Surrender. Yes. Very close. Submission. Very close. Yes. Love. Yes. Shalom. Peace. Yeah. Proverbs 1. Okay. You think in Jesus? All right, if we put that all together, maybe it spells this. How many of you like this? That, that buzzword out there now is balance. And it's a word that's irritating me a bit. Just like when people come into my office and they go, I'm aware, and I'm like, whoo, that word is, is irritating me too. It's actually off limits in my counseling practice. Because awareness doesn't mean change. It just means the light came on and you keep walking into the same chair you've been walking to for 25 years. So when the light comes on and you see the chair you've been walking in for 25 years, you decide, I'm going to walk around the chair, I'm going to move the chair, but if I'm going to keep walking in the chair, shut the lights off and walk back out of that room. Don't tell me you're aware. Just don't tell me you're seeking balance because that is actually a swear word in the kingdom. Because let me tell you what balanced lives look like in today's church. We go to work, we watch Netflix, we pay our bills, sometimes we pay all of our bills, we have problems with our children, we try to parent them, and if I have 5% less left over at the end of living my 30 days or 31 days, then I'll decide whether I'm going to go to church or be in fellowship, or seek the kingdom. Woo! Strong word, Abby. And then we wonder why the church is lukewarm, powerless, and ineffective. Because really, we are so out of balance. If 
time you try to get to God doing it man's way and the culture's way, you're going to be out of balance. I'm setting the platform. Breathe. Everybody breathe. This is the first contraction. We're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. Look at what the balance looks like in the kingdom. He must increase and I must decrease. That's what balance looks like in the kingdom. Is that good news? So you don't even have to shrink. You just allow him to come in big and you just automatically move into position in your own life. That you're not Lord of your life, you're not King of your life. That God is Lord and King. And if you allow him into that role, then you just automatically decrease. So it is about surrender. Yes, it is about obedience. Matthew says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Now, I can guarantee you that because I was in that trap as well. We do so much to cling to our own lives. We want to clean our gardens. We want to get it ready for the fall. We want to do everything. And if there is one Sunday in a month that I can show up to church, doesn't matter about giving or serving in the kingdom, and I'm talking about whether it's children's ministry or youth ministry or worship or cleaning the church, do you know that it is an absolute insult to the sacrifice of Jesus that we have to beg people to be involved in kingdom work? That tells us that we are so significantly out of balance. Pastor Jesse talked about, he says, you go out and you earn money and you bring it in and you put it in pockets that have holes in them. That's what the scripture says. We're looking to pad our own nests and build our own homes and have the massive vehicles. And we wonder why we're just being depleted of emotional and physical and financial energy. Because the Bible says, because the house of the Lord rise, lies in ruins and nobody is concerned about that. People, we are out of balance. Uh, you know I love you, right? But seek first the kingdom of God. That means everything is about how, God, how am I going to seek your kingdom first today? How am I going to worship you today? What is the priority in my day? Do I get to spend time with you in the word? Do I get to worship you? Can I bless someone in the kingdom? Can I go to the Wednesday night Bible study? Can I go to the Monday night Bible study? And I'm going to be in church on Sunday. Not because we need these chairs filled. We need you full of fuel so you can run the race that is set before you and you can continue to shine brightly in your communities. I, I, Pastor Jesse, I'm, I'm taking some liberty here. I don't want to speak for him, but I don't want deadheads in these chairs. I don't want lumps on logs that are just coming in to put in their time and, and click out and click in. Like, you need to be filled with the presence of God and the wisdom of God and the life of God because the Bible says he wants us to be light and salt in the earth, that we these lights set up on a hill, that when people are in crisis, they go, wow, I can go to Jesse, I can go to Maria, I can go to Sharon, I can go to Karen, I can go to Bob, I can go to Paul because they lit up with the life and the wisdom of God. Okay. I got to get through this. I've got like 20 slides, but I can get moving when the Holy Spirit's upon me. Seek first the kingdom. Begin to prioritize the kingdom of God. If your life is in chaos, it's the first predictor that things are out of balance in your life and you're not seeking the kingdom first. Now, here's the lie. The lie is that the enemy tells you that you're too busy to go to church or you're too busy to give your tithes and your offerings and you don't even have enough but God's ways are higher than our ways. And he knows the first fruits of surrender and the giving of our time because he is time. And if we surrender time, do you honestly believe that God who is time does not know how to multiply time back to you? I am probably one of the busiest people I know. But I can tell you this, every time God calls me to do an assignment and I make time for it, he exponentially brings things forward in my life. 
That means his ways are higher than my ways. And if I lean on my own understanding, then I have nothing. But if I'm constantly leaning on him in all my ways, I acknowledge him. And he's directing my path. You know, Leslie works with me in the office and oftentimes she'll laugh because she goes home on a Thursday and she comes back on a Monday and exponentially things are done. And she's like, how do you, how can you, how do you even come up with this concept? But I've learned the skill of surrender and obedience because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think or imagine. This should be like a four-part series, Pastor, but I'm trying really hard here. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, the Bible says it's a sin. I'm going to challenge you because if you're waiting for a word from the Lord to do good, I, I cannot tell you this. People say, I'm waiting for God to tell me. Now, if you know if there's a widow starving down the road from you, the Bible says if you know to do good and you don't do it, it's a sin. If you know that it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive and you're not giving, and I'm not just talking about money here, it's a sin. You say, Abby, I can't stand up there and talk like you can, but you may not be able to, but you know how to use a broom and you know how to use a toilet brush. Sometimes you just got to send yourself, right? The, you know, James 1.22, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. You can sit here and hear the word for a whole year, 365 days, and you're so full that you green because you want to throw up because you got so much of preaching you. But you're not exercising, you're not using up your spiritual energy to go and serve and make a difference. If you're so self-absorbed, then you're a consumer Christian. And you're part of this culture that we live in. Because everything is about me and mine. And if it doesn't benefit me and mine, then I'm not involved. But the Bible is so clear about getting us to engage. Because it's, excuse me, it's not just for us. Those who are strong in the kingdom restore those who are weak. Those who are rich say I'm strong and you come alongside those who are not so rich and you support them until they become rich. Self-absorption and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and never doing is a life out of balance. I'm not going to go with this one. So again, Balance is doing what God asks you to do. And you know what? Time will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything will be added to you. Don't say I got no time and I can't do that. That was really good English. Don't say I got no time and I can't do that. Often say, often say, let me get back to you because I need to hear God in this. Do you want me to do this? Can I be a part of it? And how? I don't, sometimes I don't even ask God how he's going to multiply a ton. Because when he says do it, I know that the provision is in the obedience. Right? Throughout the scripture, you'll see that. There's a story of Abraham and Isaac. God, his only son, God says, go sacrifice him. It was a three-day journey. I can't even begin to imagine that. You wait for the son forever in a day, and then he shows up, and God says, go sacrifice him. And the son has to carry the logs or the twigs that he's supposed to be sacrificed on. Three days. Not talking. You're going to die. You're my only son. God wants you. I'm giving you to him. And at that point of surrender, God suddenly says, don't kill your son. Disobedience is not unto death but unto life because you'll find the ram in the thicket and you can offer him to me as a sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice and that's the life of obedience that we live.
So, moving into the character part. The thing that concerns me in my work and in the church, and I've been in the church world for over four decades, and I, I'm, I'm becoming more, in con more concerned about the casualness that's showing up in the kingdom. See, there's a difference between being casual and being careless. Anybody want to try figure that out for me? Like we don't come into the presence of the, of the Lord like, uh, like how the old priests had to do. Like they had to put on their garments and they had to have the right stones on it and they had to come in with incense. And we don't, there's, we don't come in with that uh, 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 um, structure and order. There's a casualness now that we come into the presence of the Lord in with. And he, does, he just says, just enter my gates with thanksgiving. You don't have to do all of the rin, uh, rigmarole. Yes? Yeah, yes. Right, yes. And I'm saying, I'm saying casualness is just coming, but just being able to come in, but not being careless. Casualness and carelessness are two different things. I don't come into the holy presence of the Lord and handle his presence in a casual way, uh, in a careless way. I can come in without fear and participate with him in celebration and worship, but I'm not careless about it. Do you understand that? You want your children to come into your home and, and not be afraid to put their feet up on your couch. Because they, 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 they don't want to be casual in your home because you're so strict. God's not like that. But there is a wonderful, beautiful interchange of reverential honor that happens in worship that I'm seeing becoming less and less in the kingdom. And we live in a culture where people don't know how to be appropriate anymore. You show up at funerals and weddings in tattered garments and you don't care. Because it's all about being casual. I mean, careless, and whatever feels good, do it. But God's calling us back to that place of conscious living and charactered living. And character is the unconscious doing of right. Living characteredly is the unconscious doing of of right. It's doing right by reflex. You know, once you learn to live this kind of discipline, surrender, and obedience to the Lord, very rarely, and I don't say this out of pride, but I say this only to demonstrate to you that I have cultivated an obedient surrender to the Lord in my worship and my, in my relationship with him. Very rarely do I ever have to say, I hope I didn't offend you. Because I really am not flippant with my words. Even when I speak to you, I'm deliberate. I know they're strong. I know they're piercing dark points in your heart and thinking and causing you to come alive and think differently. It's intentional. Because the entrance of the word is supposed to bring light. That's what the word says. If there's darkness in you, if there's ignorance in you, the entrance of the word is to bring light and transformation. So character is predetermined. That means before something happens, you already know that because I'm submitted to Jesus, I'm going to respond this way. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. If you're coming at me with anger, I'm coming with you at, at you with a soft answer. Hello? That's why you need to know the word, so you know how to respond using the word. Even when your natural man, your carnal man, wants you to go scratch someone's eyeballs out, and I feel like that a lot of the times, but I surrender and I submit to the word and I let the word respond on my behalf, right? 
I'm actually paying attention to clicking and stuff today, which is pretty good. Character issues. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Everybody say all things. Everybody say all things. Is this my word or it's God's word? Okay, so let's say it like we believe this, right? All things. Yes. Do all things. That means washing dishes, cleaning the car, doing the yard work, working for an unfair boss, feeding the pigs, honoring your parents, keeping your rooms clean. It's all things. Yes? Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights. Wow. That means when my whole lunchroom is whining and complaining and talking about the boss, there's one character person in that room that's not partaking of that conversation. What makes us different, church, if we have no character? The love of God is shed abroad in our, our hearts that we become a witness wherever we go. And if you're part of the problem, you're not part of the solution. Whether it's in your marriage, in your home, in your workplace, you are expected by the Holy Spirit to have a, a character response. And he says to you that if you can't do it, guess what? I can do it through you. And so all I need is that surrender and the obedience. Psalm says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So God wants to put words in your mouth. You just need to open it and wait for him. But if you're just being reactive, guess what? Yeah, you're spoiling your testimony and you're displaying a lack of character. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Yes, amen, because th that, that's right. Jesus lives in me, so he quickens me to do things in my natural strength that I cannot do on my own. I can honestly tell you that, that I am not as perfect as I look. <laughs> but I am perfect in surrender. I am perfect in surrender. From the time that my husband died to how I stand here, it has been a walk of surrender. Yes. 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 Yeah. Amen. So the kingdom, I mean, the kingdom of God is Jesus living in us, but the kingdom gets enhanced by the truth that I keep learning and activating in my life because whatever is in you is going to come out of you, yeah. right? So if you keep topping yourself up, that's why the Holy Spirit says, I mean, and the word says, be filled with the spirit of the Lord and don't be drunk with natural spirits, but be filled with the spirit of God wherein is access. That means if, I, if someone touches me, I'm so full, I'm like a sponge. That kingdom, that love, that joy, that service, that surrender is just going to come out of me and touch the lives around me. Uh, for you were once darkness, but now you're light. Walk as children of the light. And Pastor Jesse, we talked about a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit last week as well, which is so cool. But this is what God's saying. We're not, we're not part of that dark kingdom anymore. We're not part of the comp complaining, disputing, drama-ridden crowd anymore. We, we call, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, and we call to be separate. And what separates me is that the joy I have in the way I serve every single day, that I show up in my workplace, I've got a big smile on my face, I'm ready to serve, I'm, it's not pulling teeth, it's, sorry, Rose, but it's not pulling teeth, it's not, you know, it's not hard work. She just had some tooth work done, we need to pray for her for healing, but... Yeah, so the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful on its own, right? What Jesus did for us is powerful on his own, that through his blood he reconciled us to the Father and that he brings light and freedom and healing and liberty to all who access his grace. But guess what? It is amped up when the lives of Christians match the power of the gospel with their testimony. 
our lives complement the message and make the message trustworthy. Hello? So you know how many people are in the world that are offended with God because they're actually offended with the messenger? That they've disqualified the message of the cross? So this morning when I'm talking about balance and living charactered lives, I'm calling for an alignment in us so that we actually live our lives with such power and grace that we, make, that we become the living epistles read of men, right? And that we make the message trustworthy. Whew. On its own, that seems heavy. But when I'm under the spout where the glory comes out and the grace of God keeps washing over me and washing off my, my rough edges and makes me smooth and makes me desirable, then it's not work. Then it's like, wow, God, where can I make a difference? Wow, God, what can I do? How can I serve? How can I be a blessing? Uh, one of my girlfriends in, in uh, Ontario just posted something. She said she was in at Wendy's and... Uh, the person in front of her looked like he was really in poor shape in terms of not having money, and he ordered the basic burger with nothing on it just because just that's all he had in his hands. And she came up behind him and, and said, give him the full meal deal. Give him the full meal deal. And that's what God is about. He's coming up behind our anorexic life and our faith, and his grace overshadows us. And then he says to the world, give them the full meal deal. Not that we're capable on our own, but through him, we shall do valiantly. It is he who's torn down the walls of the enemy. Christ is king, and so we live through that kingship. Okay, I'm on track here. This is really good. Here's the thing. Your anointing, and your gifting and your talent will take you to the top. Whether it's your workplace, whether it's who you are in your communities, but only go godly character will keep you there. And we see that in the industry of the entertainment world, we see that everywhere. People get to the top, but they have no character to keep them there. If you don't have character, pride will overtake you. If you don't have character, you'll become self-serving because you'll take all those wonderful resources to serve yourself. Recently, after I came back from Scotland, the Lord really did a work of grace in me while I was there. Uh, I read a book that just really helped me to heal uh, uh, quite significantly since Terry's passing. And uh, one of the things that came out of there, I, I whined to the Lord. I actually whined and complained. Well, no, really. But, but it was intentional whining. <laughs> there can be intentional whining, you know that? And so I, I actually whined to the Lord, and I said, you know, God, I really am sick and tired of people in the world coming up with ideas and concepts and theories that are making them millions, and they're so self-absorbed, and they're not part of the kingdom. And I said, you said that we should have wisdom and excellence above the world, and I'm tired of that. And I said, I want to come up with ideas and concepts and inventions and creativity that sets me apart. And that because the Bible says we shall be lenders and not borrowers. That means they need to be coming to me asking me for money. And asking me for help and asking me for service. Because I'm not part of this world. I'm in it. But I'm of the kingdom. And when kingdom life and kingdom wisdom and kingdom innovation and kingdom creativity flows through you, it sets you apart in whatever field you're in. So I recently trademarked a new concept. And it's blowing my mind away. Well, because it's not of my mind. It's of the spirit. It's about me getting desperate to say, God, don't pass us by. Don't let someone who doesn't know how to be a good steward of good information. Trust me with it. And I'll bring honor to your name. And so this is what I'm saying is like, God wants to put things in our hands, but can he trust us with what he wants to put in our hands? If he's going to give you an idea that takes you from the floor to being a manager over the people that you once served with, will you have enough character to walk in that place without pride and dominance? 
Will you be able to be a servant leader and humbly walk with the people and serve with them and elevate them with you to high new places? God wants to trust the church with more. But so far, we have showed him that we're not very good stewards. I guarantee you, you become a good steward of his grace and you're going to get more and more and more and ideas are going to blow up in your mind and you'll move from just innovation and ideas to actual forming those things and implementing them and bringing meaningful work to the earth. All right, moving right along. This is a big topic. Pastor Jesse, I'm going to have to come back. See, I was thinking about this this morning. I can be as, the Bible says, be bold as a lion. And I can be really bold because you're not paying my salary. <laughs> no, it's true. So I can take a little bit more liberty. But, but here's the thing, though. I'm bold even, even without. People who know me know that I don't need this platform to be bold. Yeah? Look at what Hebrews says. And, and here now, I know that I'm actually confronting a stronghold in this region. I'm very aware. I prayed through the night. I prayed through the morning. I prayed since I knew I was going to be speaking. I know I'm conf confronting a mindset here. And you know what that mindset is? The anti-establishment mindset. Anything that looks like authority, that moves like authority, it's, it's bad, it's ugly. Get the hands behind me. Because people want rebellious, lawless living. And guess what? Look at our lives. We've got rebellious, lawless consequences going on. Bible says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Everybody say, must give an account. So to whom much is given, much is required. If people are in authority and they treat you poorly, they're going to give an account for that. Now, I'm not saying to you, go and willingly surrender yourself into abusive situations. I, I, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying that as a Christian, you can position yourself in the spirit and have a heart of surrender where you are actually being submissive so that those who watch out for your souls can do it with joy. So let them do it with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Woo! I think about my children, you know? When they su surrender to, to me and it's beautiful and I'm parenting them with joy, there's no grief. But guess what? I am going to have to give an account to the Lord for how I parent them. So there's a higher level of expectation and accountability. And that word accountability is another swear word in our language, to, in, our, in our culture today. Five years ago when I joined this church, I knew how, who I was in the kingdom. I'm, a, I'm an international speaker on many platforms all over the world. But when I came to this house, I chose to have a lunch date with Pastor Jesse, and I surrendered my gift to him. I submitted all of who I was to him. And it was a joyful surrender because I actually get what submission is about. For me, submission is not a swear word. Swear word. For me, when I, get, when I submit, when I go low, then God can live big in me wherever I go. When I can come and serve and just love what I do in this house, then God gets to live big in me everywhere. So submission is not about control. And so if you think that, that being submitted to authority is about being controlled, especially when we're talking about the kingdom, when you can submit your call and your gifting to the, the spiritual governance that God has put, because God is about order. You know, if he didn't want children to have pa uh, uh, parents, then he would have just created children and dropped them on the planet. Yes? He, he's about order. So he sets the lonely in families. He sets children with parents. He says to them, train them up in the way they should go so when they're old, they won't depart from that truth. God's about order and a plan, and he sees things that we can't see. So if you want to see breakthrough in your life, it's very important 
that you ask the Holy Spirit to come and help shift your mindset and your paradigm around what submission is. I've never in my whole life of being in the kingdom seen such lawlessness when it comes to spirituality as I see in this area, in the Kootenai area particularly. And it's because we anti-establishment and we anti anything that's authority. And I'm saying this to you in love. And I understand that the authorities have not always been kind, but guess what? They weren't kind to Jesus. They whipped him. They lashed him. They put him on a cross. But he had a revelation of what su surrender was and submission was because he said to the Father, I don't want to go to the cross, but, but I'll do it if you want me to go. And he does it, and the angels come and surround him and strengthen him. And then the Bible says, then with all joy, he goes to the cross. And I'm so glad he got to do that with joy. Yeah? So whatever's going on around us, the unfair treatment, it's not new. The Bible says Jesus has been acquainted with all our griefs and our sorrows. Every single thing that you have experienced or are experiencing is something that he experienced, he experienced throughout his life on the planet. And he's still saying to us, submit to those who rule over you. Now, again, I'm not talking about blind surrender. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, here's a gun, go kill that man. You're not going to do that. Right? But I'm saying position yourselves with a heart of submission and surrender to the spiritual authority that God brings over your life and watch it become fruitful. Just watch it. I just challenge you. Just watch it. Every time my children submit to my spiritual authority in the home, life comes. When I landed back from Scotland, the Lord told me, don't come straight home. Spend two extra days in Toronto with your daughters. So I knew that he had an assignment for me. And so after I got over jet lag, I noticed that there was a real chafing going on between my older daughter and my middle daughter. Uh, my middle daughter is a singer-songwriter. My older daughter is a manager. Uh, like, she's her manager. So I knew that there was, but it was beyond the natural chafing. And so I sat them down the next day. I said, we're having a family meeting. My youngest daughter was there as well. And I said, I'm noticing that there's some things that are significantly out of alignment in your relationship. Amber, if you don't know how to honor your older sister, when you become famous, you're not going to be able to handle your fame. Carrie, you need to know how to love your sister and serve her even though you are her older sister. You're setting her up to become famous. But it's not about that. You called and anointed to do this job, and you have to do it with the right heart and attitude. It was the most beautiful thing because all three of my daughters were there and we ended up having a time of prayer and I opened my eyes and all three daughters were at my feet just honoring me and thanking me for speaking life into them. Now, there's a way to speak it. I could crush them with my words because I'm a, I'm a wordsmith and my tongue is like a razor at times. I could have hurt them, but I didn't. I, I used life to bring correction to them in love. So we do the girly thing. We go to the, the uh, Walmart, uh, not Walmart, the mall, and we go get our eyebrows threaded. <laughs> we do the bonding, you know, after the beating. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we, come back to the, we come back to the girl's house four hours later. And four hours later, I get this phone, phone call. And it's pandemonium. Mom, wake Amber up. There's people on the phone. They need to talk to her. They're from the radio. And I'm like, what? I'm just coming out of my little afternoon nap. Anyway, it turns out that this uh, um, record label from LA have been watching Amber on Instagram for many, many months. And they called her with a record deal. My youngest daughter comes rushing in the door and she says, Mom, can you believe that? Can, can you actually believe that? And I, and I looked at her and I said, what do you think would have happened if you didn't get a line this morning, Amber? <coughs> what, what would have happened if you didn't choose to repent and surrender so that God, the blessings that are sitting outside, we can see them, but they can't come to us because we're not walking balanced and charactered lives. We're not walking with obedience. 
And all of these blessings sit on the periphery of our lives and they can't come to us because we won't align ourselves. There's blessing in the obedience. There's blessing in submission. Every time that I'm not traveling or doing business, I'm in this house. Don't ever think that I'm sitting at home in Nelson and I'm not at church. Because when I went, it's to me, it's about honoring. Honoring the collective worship that happens in this house. Honoring each of you, but also submitting myself to the leadership in this house. And, and you know, people that know me know I'm not a, I'm not a silly girl. But I'm saying there's wisdom in learning the power of submission and surrender. That's why the Bible says, children, honor your parents. Because if you do, you'll be satisfied with long life. It, it fascinates me because God never just says, honor your parents if they're good to you. There's no qualification in there. Honor your parents if they buy you Nike shoes. Honor your parents if they buy you this name brand or they go get you McDonald's. He doesn't say that. He just says, honor your parents because I will bless you with a long and satisfied life. There's something about understanding the power of mutual honor and submission. Now, again, I said this is a pretty massive topic here, and, and, and please be patient with me. But one of the things that I think is so sad for me in the kingdom is watching lazy people in the kingdom. I love you, and I have the courage to speak the truth to you. Because if, if I don't ever get back up on this platform, I'm okay. I can go to Jesus and say, you, you trusted me with the truth, and I was faithful with it. The soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the dilig diligent shall be made rich. Sit with that for a minute. If you wake up and have no vision for your day, you've fallen into the culture of the day and you've become lazy. Very rarely do I lay in bed until the, m what my mom used to say, the sun burns your backside. <laughs> when I wake up, there's a consciousness to my day. The Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Every day has a measure of your destiny in it. You're either going to waste it or you're going to position yourself for the fullness of the destiny. Every day. The soul of the lazy man desires but has nothing. Lazy people want everybody else's stuff. But they have nothing because they won't work. They won't, put, they won't use what's in their hands. If all I have is flour and oil and sugar in my house and I can make pancakes, then I can go to work. If all I have is a pair of clippers, then I can go down the street and clip someone's head and I can go to work. But the, the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. We have a lot of people who are not kingdom people, but they're diligent. And they're ruling. And we as Christians get angry because the unbeliever is ruling us. Oh, man, you guys don't want me to teach you this. You're mad because unbelievers work hard. And they're ruling. And you want what they have, but you're not willing to work for it because you're too lazy. I don't have to work 14-hour days. I don't have to work 16-hour days. I don't have to work 18-hour days, but I do. Not because I'm a workaholic. Because the Lord is very strategic in my assignments. And he wants to do the same for you. So lazy people saturate our communities. They, they fill our pews. And we, we sit with a spirit of poverty. And we say, God, where is this mighty, all-powerful, all-magnificent, unbelievable Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides? And, the, and, and whew, I'm on a roll. Stay with me. This is Matthew. If you want to see this in the scripture, here it is right here. There's a parable. And it talks about the master who, who, who is indicative of Jesus. Comes to three servants. 
And he, and he gave the first five talents and to another two and to another one, each one according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now, the scriptures are too long for me to go into, but let me paraphrase the story. And you can go look at it. It's in Matthew 25. And he talks about how the master comes back and he says to the, the one with the five talents, what did you do with the five talents? He says, man, master, father, you trusted me with this five talents. Guess what I did? I multiplied it. I got 10 talents. And you know what the master says to him? Well done, good and faithful servant. Then he goes to the one with the two talents and he says, what did you do with your two talents? And he goes, hey, guess what? I worked hard. I was so grateful that you gave me these talents. I was so grateful that you, you didn't choose to not put anything in me, but you trusted two talents to me. And I worked it and now I have four talents. And, and the master says, wow, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he goes to the one with the one talent. And he says, what did you do with your talent? What did you do according to the ability that I gave you, that gift? And he says, well, I was afraid to lose it, master. And I dug a hole and I buried it in there to keep it safe. How many of you are digging a hole and burying the talents that God's given you to keep it safe? Safe for what? The Bible says lay up treasures in heaven where the moth and rust can't get to it. So what are you preserving? What are you saving? What are you holding on to? Jesus comes, the master comes and he says, you wicked and lazy servant. He says, I gave you a gift and you didn't work it. So guess what? I'm taking it away from you and I'm now giving it not to the one with the four, I'm giving it to the one with the five who multiplied and made ten. To whom much is given, much is required. I'm conscious of that every time I go to bed at night. God, I'm going to work my gifts. If an idea, I mean, I don't never want to see my idea on TV that someone else stole. I, I don't. I'm, I'm like, God, whatever you give to me, whatever is my inheritance, whatever is a part of my DNA, I want. I want, I want, you know, people, graveyards are full of potential. Full of potential. Full of people who buried their talents and it never came to fruition. I'm saying, God, squeeze every drop of value off of me before I leave this planet. Every drop. When people say, Abby, we don't ask you for things because you're too busy, well, that's your problem. Because if you know a busy person, a busy person knows how to manage their time. Moving right along. <laughs> and here it is. But while faith is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Look again, that word diligently, do, can you see laziness in that? There's no laziness in diligence. If you want muscles, you get up every day at the same time and you go to the gym and you work out and you eat right. If you want wisdom, you get in the presence of the wise, wisest one in the world. And that, that's the Holy Spirit, that's Jesus. And you keep drawing, and you keep drawing from him. Okay, everybody, let's stand. I, my heart is that you get to see how big God's heart is for you. That he's this morning confronting the limitations of imbalance and lack of character in your life so that you can actually get balanced God's way. And God's way, how do we spell balance in the kingdom? How do we spell balance in the kingdom? So that means whatever God puts in front of you to do, do it. Don't wait for a feeling. Don't wait for the 50-second confirmation to come from your 26th cousin, three provinces from here. When God speaks, just listen.
and obey, right? Integrity is a godlike, godlike life of consistency and sincerity with no deception or pretense. Integrity's overriding quality is wholeness. In fact, the word integrity is derived from the same root word, integer, meaning whole. In other words, no discrepancy exists between one's public life and one's private life. People of integrity have nothing to hide and nothing to fear. And we're called to be believers who walk in character and integrity. But we're the same people that show up at work. We're the same people that show up at home. We're the same people that show up in the doctor's office. We're the same people that show up in the Walmart uh, line to returns. <laughs> Hello. I hate returning stuff, by the way. Proverbs says this, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. I, I know this is a strong word, but you know what the Bible says? That those who by reason of use have been able to learn to exercise their, their senses to discern between what is good and what is evil. And I think the, the Holy Spirit is setting before us today life and death. And he's saying choose life. Choose character, choose to obey, choose to submit, choose to come out of your imbalanced life where you're trying to catch your tail doing everything and seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else is added. It's, it's beautiful when you get to live like that. There's so much freedom in that. I think that was it. How do we do? We're all alive? Yeah? So how about we just kind of, uh, if the worship team can come up here for a second. There's two calls I want to put out. Number one, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've been trying to do things on your own, that means you've lived an unbalanced life. You've tried to, to get into God's presence by your own merit, your own ability. And you think, if I just keep doing the right things, then God will see me. But you know what? The only way God sees you is when you come through Jesus. And I'm so, I'm so excited that he created this door, that I don't have to wander this planet wondering where's the way of escape because Jesus is the door. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And I get through Jesus into the presence of the Lord. Now, if that's you and you say, man, Abby, you know, when you were talking to me, there were some things going on in my heart, strong words, but really convicted. I want that passion. I want that fire. I want that alignment. I want that balance. If that's you, then I want you to start kind of position your heart now to get ready to surrender yourself to Jesus. But then if you've been a Christian in the kingdom for a while and you've lived an uncharactered life, you've been reactive, you've allowed anger to rule, you've allowed pride to rule, you've given your word to people and you've not honored it, I was thinking this morning as I was preparing my 18-month-old daughter, Shannon, she was 18 months at the time, we were in a dollar store in Ontario, and she wanted this watch for some reason, an 18-month-old wanting a watch, I, I don't understand it, but I couldn't quite reason with her at that point, and we're in the car and we're heading to Niagara Falls, and we had left London, Ontario, and it was a ways away, and I'm in the car and all of a sudden I put my hand in my pocket, and I feel this watch in my pocket. Somehow she had snuck the watch into my pocket. And I was so irritated because I'm thinking, oh man, God, now I have to take this watch all the way back to the dollar store. Like it wasn't a Rolex, it wasn't $15,000. But I get there and we did meetings and we're on the way back. And I said to my husband, I said, we're gonna take a detour through London. And we're gonna go back to that dollar store. And I taught my 18-month-old child that we don't steal, that we don't pocket things because we like them, that you give your word and you honor it because that's your testimony. The Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than houses and land. You don't have to have houses and land, but if you have a good name, you've got a pretty good legacy going on. So we went back to the dollar store 
my 18-month-old child, and you know what? I'm not into this poo-poo parenting. Well, she's 18 months old. She doesn't know anything. She just likes the watch. I'm like, no. You knew enough to be sneaky enough to put in my pocket. You know that this was not right. So we're going to go back and we're going to return it. And when I get to the, the, the owner of the store, that blew me away. Because she goes, oh my goodness, you shouldn't have come all this way. It was just a $2 watch. And I'm like, no, ma'am. This is not about a $2 watch. This is about character. This is about teaching my child the unconscious way of living. To unconscious, to do right by reflex. That I don't have to think about what's right or wrong here. I just know it intuitively. You start being faithful in those little things in your life. You forget to call a friend. You don't just say, oh, that's okay, they're going to understand. You call them and you say, look at, I'm so sorry. I meant to call you. I don't want to dismiss you. You're valuable in my life. You're important to me. And I needed to honor my word to you. It's so important we live like that, church. That's what sets us apart. That's what elevates us. That's the gold that rises in our lives when we choose to live like that. We're all good. You still love me? All right. All right. Um, but what, what, what song do we have? We'll do one song, and I'm conscious of time. You guys are very gracious. You'll let me just pummel you with good word this morning. And then what I want to do is take some time to pray with you. If you are that person that says, you know what? I haven't really ever fully surrendered my life to the Lord, Abby. I, I, want, to, I want to invest my time with you this morning. And then we're going to have the prayer team that's going to help other Christians who are coming into the light of the truth of the word of God this morning. And we want to get us positioned. We want to get, get us opened up so we become receptors of God's grace and wisdom. I want to see us raising up world changers in this house, in this church. People that are not limited by the culture that we live in. That we learn to live big in a small place. That we make a difference every single day of our lives. Amen? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord.